श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जय ग्रंथराज श्रीमद भागवत की जय बहुत प्रेम इवनिंग वेलकम so we are turning tonight to our discussion from Srimad Bhagavatam, which we've departed from for some time now, and uh, not at the cost of other discussions by any means. <clears throat> but returning, and we left off in chapter nine of the first, or chapter eight of the first canto, in the section here uh, of Kunti Devi's prayers. The microphone was passed in a sense from Draupadi to Kunti and they have been uh, glorifying Bhagwan Sri Krishna in a number of ways, particularly Kunti Devi in, in this chapter with, with some type of uh, very um, interesting and uh, extraordinary bewilderment as she vacillates between the sense that Krishna is her nephew and Krishna is God. Hmm. Um, here we find a type of Vatsalya Bhakti in the person of Kunti, Sakya Bhakti, Sakya Rasa in Draupadi, but in Kunti Devi some Vatsalya Bhakti means parental affection for for Krishna, but mixed with a sense of his godhood. We have a couple of verses here that go together tonight and they'll be followed um, by a glorification of Jashodamai, who's also been mentioned earlier in the same prayers, as Kunti drifts uh, back and takes us back, if you will, uh, to the... Brajalila, the pastoral Leela of Krishna, where the love for Krishna is never, uh, and the affection in various dominant sentiments like friendship, romantic love, parental love, and so forth, are never um, interrupted, they're never caused to recede to the background, despite the fact that he performs wonderful acts by which one would conclude, oh, he must be supernatural, must be God. Hmm? We know that Kangsa in the Leela sent various henchmen to do his work to Vrindavan and um, uh, Krishna dealt with them very deftly. Um, these are some of the prominent examples of Krishna manifesting his, his Godhood hmm? within the, the Leela, the pastoral Leela. But as I say, um, it never caused the uh, devotees there to think of him really in any way other than in terms of their dominant uh, sentiment for him as friends, as lovers, parents, and so forth. When Krishna lifted the Govardhan Hill, hmm, there were stories of different demons coming that the boys would come back and speak about. But boys would be boys, so naturally they would thought that the, the community thought these are mostly exaggerations to be sure. Hmm. But when he lifted the Govardhan Hill, then all of Vrindavan was brought underneath the hill, so everyone saw his uh, godly opulence, if you will, in no uh, short uh, measure, hmm? quite extraordinarily. 
display, an extraordinary display of, of godliness. But uh, they, again, as I say, never lost the sense that uh, he was their son or their lover or their friend and, and drew back from him in awe and reverence. Often the Leela is depicted with Krishna lifting the hill, but the cowherd friends of his have their sticks up there too. Hmm? As to say they'd better help him out. <laughs> um, so, Kunti's love is somewhat different. And the, the Bhagavatam wants primarily to talk about the love of Vrindavan. This is, of course, what Chaitanya Dev came to uh, distribute, and he accepted Srimad Bhagavatam as his very heart. So, through the um, understanding of the Bhagavatam of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we can really enter into the mystery, the, 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 the essential message, and that is the, the showcasing of this this Brajalila and this possibility of love in intimacy, a kind of uh, uh, divine ignorance, if you will. And uh, it's referenced here in tonight's verse uh, to an extent as well. So as I say, her prayers here are this contain this vacillating between her sense that he's a nephew and her sense that he's God. And this, then, type of love that she has is in contrast to the love of Vrindavan. And she'll refer back to it here in, in tomorrow night's uh, uh, verse of the Vrindavan love. So while that Bhagavatam is showcasing this kind of love, love and intimacy, um, it does so directly and indirectly. So indirectly by way of speaking about something slightly different and uh, by contrast and so on. Hmm? As I said before, the first 28 chapters of the book lead up to the Rasalila. That's covered in five chapters. The consummation of the love relationship between Radha and Krishna, and then 57 chapters after that, all reflect back on it. Hmm. So to understand that's what's going on in the Bhagavat, <laughs> you might have missed that, uh, requires some good sadhusanga. Hmm. A nice example I like to cite sometimes of a real feeler for the Bhagavat, who's, who's, to whom the verses are... Are, are speaking to his or her heart and so forth is, uh, is, is that of how the Goswamis had to find uh, justification and evidence, I should say, for Krishna returning to Vrindavan. If you read the Bhagavatam, he leaves Vrindavan at about 11, he kills Kamsa and Mathura, and then he takes his whole his whole entourage to the to the to the city uh, built by the gods and Dwaraka and so forth. And he has various um, escapades and battles and whatnot, establishing dharma. He speaks the Bhagavad Gita and so forth. And then the whole thing is wound up, hmm? and um, Bhagavatam comes to a close. So we read it and we think, well, okay, that's the story. The Goswamis read it and said. <laughs> said, how could he not go back to Vrindavan? This is how much they understood what the book was about. The love of Vrindavan is what the whole book is about, and it, it only, it's only covered in about, well, um, about, what, maybe 35, 40 chapters, 
39? 39 chapters. Hmm? And then there's 90 chapters in the 10th canto, and how many other chapters there are, and how many other cantos, and, and 11 other cantos, and so forth. So, anyway, he reasoned, as an ordinary reader would not, um, Krishna had to go back to Vrindavan. So they show the evidence in the text hmm, with great uh, scholarship in one sense, but with great feeling. Without the required feeling, without the required ruchi or taste, for wherein, as I've said, what, what in our early spiritual practicing life is medicine, when it becomes food, and more than that, when it becomes nectar, hmm? then there's no... There's, now we calculate, I should take my medicine, I should chant my rounds, I should go to the temple, and so forth. We don't think like that about... Sometimes we think, I should eat, maybe, but I've surely eaten already, if I'm questioning about it. Still I might, because it tastes good. But less thinking about... I should eat than about I should take my medicine, and when the, if it becomes if the food becomes nectar, then, then it's, it's it's irresistible. I should stop, but I can't. It comes. I should stop, but I can't. Muhuraho rasika bhuvi bhavakam. Is it? Pibata bhagavatam rasam alayam. Muhuraho rasika bhuvi bhavakam. This is the, the uh, third verse of Bhagavatam. It's a blessing to the readers. It says. Drink this elixir, this of immortality, this fruit of the Bhagavatam that is ripened, that's nigimakalpitur galitam falam. It's the falam, the fruit, and it's galitam. It means the fruit is fallen from the tree, so it's easy to get, and it must be ripe. Hmm. You don't have to climb up on the branch and risk falling down and so forth. It's fallen down, and it's, and it's fully ripe. You can go take it, and... Uh, take of the fruit, and the effect will be intoxication. It says, "Pibhutapagvatam rasamalayam." What, so, what will happen? You will pass out. And the implications: And what should you do when you get up? Drink it again. And this is the idea. I should stop, but I can't. So, <laughs> so they they uh, lived in the Bhagavatam like this. They had feeling for the text. The theological person of Krishna had become a real person. More real than the, than the fictitious person that we give so much credit to that we call ourselves as a man or a woman or American or Californian, as, as may be the case. This is a, all, uh, we are all fleeting identities based on a false sense of my. As I often said, Say, our I, materially speaking, is informed by our sense of my. My country, my wife, my husband, my children, my car, my house. And if we look at all those my's, we find that's me. Hmm? That's me. I like this. That's me. I don't like that. Hmm? So this I that is formed by a sense of my is not an enduring identity because nothing is ours. Hmm? And time will will tell. It has told, but <laughs> it keeps telling. Ayurharati, by Pumsam, Buddhanastam, Janaso, with the rising and the setting of sun. Kal Chakra, the wheel of, your, of time, crosses across the sky, speaking very boldly, very loudly to us about this point. And we don't hear that well. We don't pay attention to nature that much. Hmm? 
we don't we think she's dead to use for our purposes and so forth and we will make more out of <laughs> out of her hmm? Uh, she has much to say to us indirectly about our prospect in life. We are the soul, if you will, of nature. But she's waking up to the fact that she has consciousness, self-consciousness, becomes very prominent in human human life. So, so this identity, uh, false identity here today, gone tomorrow. That is a false person. And we are willing to admit that theoretically, perhaps, but not in our practical life. <laughs> We're also maybe perhaps willing to theoretically accept that Krishna is a real personality, but not practically. Hmm? Somewhat practically. <laughs> Somewhere. This is the life of the sadhak, especially that sadhana that is anishta. Anishta, Bhajana It is not steady. Hmm? It is not well-informed. Hmm? enough that the practice has become deep enough that it is affording not only a glimpse of experience but consistent experience consistent experience that is make, makes us humble therefore trinadopi sunicena tororopi sehishnuna amanena monadena kirtaniya sadhari this steady practice is talked about in this verse I've cited in this poetry of Chaitanya Dev Steady practice, committed practice, uninterrupted practice. Hmm? It is uninterrupted. It's not entirely unmotivated. Other motives are there, but we, they are intellectually suppressed. From there we go to from uninterrupted to unmotivated. Ruchi. Hmm? This is now this, as I say, this philosophical person, theological person we call Krishna, is starting to become a real person. And the fictitious person of my sense of self, materially speaking, has been exposed. Therefore, Mahaprabhu Chaitanya Dev prays in the next Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitamba. As I said the other night, somebody asked me, What is the stage of ruchi, taste, when this, when this, as I say, when this medicine becomes food, hmm? medicine of spiritual practice? What is it? What is it like? And I said, Oh, in that stage, we don't believe in the world anymore. In other words, people believe in God or don't believe in God or maybe believe in God, but they surely believe in the world. <laughs> in other words, their actions speak louder than their words and they're vested in the world. They're vested in the worldly, their worldly sense of self, hmm? pursuing it, embellishing it, enhancing it, making it more than it could possibly ever be, if you will. They're invested in this. But in Ruchi, one thinks, uh, Mahaprabhu says, I don't want this, I don't want fame, I don't want um, uh, wealth, I don't want followers. And I have, he's saying, the, this is what the world the prospect is, materially speaking, to have things, hmm? to have a following, to, have, uh, to be an owner. So he says, that, he knows nothing belongs to me. I don't want anything. Hmm? So if our I, material sense of I, is informed by our sense of my, but I don't want anything, it means I have no desire. It means I have no sense of my. I want this, I want that, and so on. Then that indicates that this false I has dissolved. Hmm? 
So proportionally, as it is dissolving in the context of bhakti, the real person, the theological person, Krishna becomes a real person. Hmm? And, and so the text speaks to such devotees hmm? in the way that you hear the verse and then they speak about we get so much more than we could ourselves from that. The value of sadhu sangha. Scripture, Pujapad much like to call the passive agent of divinity. And the sadhu, the saint, the active agent of divinity, you can say, did you understand the book? Yes. Show me. Tell me that. You, how did you understand? The book can't say that to you. <laughs> but the sadhu can. So it's so valuable is that association. Bringing the book to life and in the context of that, bringing the whole world to life because the teaching is not in the book. It's everywhere. Hmm? A person wrote on Facebook today, on our bhakti, we have this, Madan Gopal, one of my students, started this club or group, a Facebook group called Bhaktas Beyond Borders, because you know there's a lot of sectarianism in the religious world and, and in the, the uh, Gaudiya community as well. So Bhaktas Beyond Borders, and there was some discussion on there. And somebody wrote something like, in our private life, spiritual life, we should be exclusive. And in our public spiritual life, we should be inclusive. That's a nice idea. But I commented, if you're actually exclusive in your private spiritual life, the fictitious line between your inner life and your outer life will be erased. Hmm? And furthermore, if you're actually exclusive in your internal, private spiritual practice, ekanta bhakta, fixed on Krishna and a sentiment for Krishna and so forth, the whole public will come to like you. <laughs> they call it Subhada in Ruchi, Subhada. Everyone starts to like the person, if they get to know him. Hmm? They start to like him or her. Hmm? So the private, the private life becomes the public life. This is, this is real spiritual life. Not that our private life would be different than our public life. But he was making a nice point. I was just taking it to another, another step. So when we have a real feeling for the book, then the examples in the book are one thing, but they are not the only examples that speak to us about a particular aspect of the, of the philosophy. But everywhere we look, the natural world from which some examples have been drawn here. For example, in Indian culture, the camels are chewing the thorns type of a example, and then we start to find them in our own environs and so forth. Prabhupada used to say, when you start to have your own analogies, there's a sign of some realization. So the Goswamis, they're like this, so they were writing about the commentary on Bhagavatam, and they, 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 they could not read the book and think, Krishna did all this, he, he left Vrindavan, he went to, and all. He, he, he leaves Vrindavan, it's, it's charming and all, but gee, when he goes to Mathura, he kills Kamsa, and then he grabs, establishes a fort, and he has all these armies, and does all these extraordinary things. He's a prince, and, uh, and you might think, and this is the culmination, he's become the prince, and uh, everybody's you know, glorifying him. It's, he's not just a village guy anymore. Hmm? But no, that village life is more important. This is more deep. Hmm? This is more, more spiritually uh, rich and condensed ecstasy there. So to draw back to that, they, they thought, how could it possibly the book conclude without any mention of his return 
to Vrindavan and they've explained. Of course, he only left Vrindavan to protect Vrindavan from the onslaught of Jarasandha and Kamsa and others and, and his heart was always there and so on and so forth. So anyway, I'm making a long uh, explanation to underscore a simple point. They found in the text hmm, how it references, you see, he did go back to Vrindavan. Hmm? And then they connected those with Padma Purana and um, maybe Haribamsa Purana and so forth and revealed what an ordinary reader of the Bhagavatam would never never get from the text. Hmm? So, this is anyway, basically, um, as I say, what it's about. It's about the love of Vrindavan. Kunti's love is being showcased here. It's beautiful, it's charming. Hmm? But we find her reflecting back in some previous verses to the Vrindavan Leela. Hmm? And with awe of that on her part, and in a couple of verses she will as well, uh, again, referring to Jashodomai. So here in tonight's uh, verses, she has been wondering uh, or, or just thinking about waxing, if you will, towards the uh, how uh, bewildering the appearance of, of Krishna is, how to understand it. And there are many different people who think about it uh, from different angles and so on and so forth. So she says, Nabeda kaschid bhagavam chikirchitam tave hamanasyat nrenam pidambanam nayasya kaschid daito stikarichit veshyasya yasmin Vishama Matir Nanam Janma Karma to Vishvatman Ajasya Kartur Atmanaha Triyan Nishi Shu Yadha Shu Tad Atyanta Vidambanam So in these two verses the word Vidambanam has been used twice. It means misleading. Um, bewildering, mind-boggling. So she's she's saying your. She says what she says. Naveda kaschid bhagavams chikishitam. Naveda kaschid bhagavams. Oh, oh Lord Bhagwan, she refers to him as God here. Oh God, she says. Naveda kaschid. No one can understand you. No one can understand you. This means she understands him. This is the idea. There's a statement in the the Upanishads. One who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. One who says he does not know Brahman, he knows Brahman. Hmm? What to speak of Brahman, how much more this applies to Krishna. Hmm. Brahman is the great the absolute, all-pervasive, everywhere. Krishna is the same Brahman, as I like to say, who's everywhere, but moving. How can you be everywhere and move? Think about it. If you're already everywhere, where are you going to (laughs) go? But he's moving. Hmm? He's moving. How is it that he's moving? Of course, he's moving under the influence of bhakti. Bhakti is making Brahman, who's everywhere, move. What is the power of bhakti then? So extraordinary. Hmm? What well, to speak of its power to d- dissipate the darkness of illusion? Hmm? 
has the power to make Brahman move and dance and wonder about himself. So that she says, no one knows you, Bhagawan. We could go further. And you don't know yourself in your Brajalila. You are lost. Not only to your sense that you're God, if that's who you really are, from one perspective, but as a cowherd and the, the, the object of Radha's love, you're also lost and bewildered by the power of her love. You're, you, you are, there you are in Vrindavan, accepting love from all kinds of devotees in all rasas. You are Rasaraj, the king of rasas. But her taste in rasa exceeds anything that you know. Hmm? You, there's some unknowing in him. Hmm? He wants to know, what is, what is Radha's experience of me? It exceeds, her ecstasy exceeds my own experience. So there's some unknowing even in him. As I said before, omniscience, hmm? the all-knowing of God, is not the full knowing, the full sense of knowing. We will think of omniscience being so he knows everything. Hmm? But there's a kind of a knowing inside of love that's not omniscience at all. Hmm? When we love, we have a kind of knowing that's essential. And knowing about everything is not required. We know what we need. We know we, we, know we have someone who loves us. Hmm? And we're, we're satisfied with that. Let the whole world burn down. It doesn't matter. Hmm? There's, in love, there's no need to know to control the situation, hmm? to conquer, to be on top of things, to watch out. Hmm? Like I said, let the whole world burn down. The two of us survive here. In the, in the cave, everything will be fine. Hmm? Something like that. So there, there, there's a moving away from knowing to in the context of loving, wherein we say that real knowing, full knowing, really manifests. And it exceeds in quality the knowing of omniscience, which is a quantitative knowing. A person wrote me on Facebook, some some friend, and i got thousands of them, <laughs> you know how that works, maybe. Uh, anyway, I just accept whoever asks, uh, and for the most part, <laughs> there are a couple exceptions. But anyway, some fellow, an Indian gentleman, I believe, he said, oh, Swami, uh, please, Guru Dave, please uh, bless me that I could have um, uh, proper proper knowledge. So I said, yeah, you know, no, I would be happy to bless you, but really full, full knowing is serving. Hmm? This is real knowing. Real knowing is serving. Real knowing, real understanding. This, this is what we mean by faith. Not some idle knowing. Hmm? Not some questionable knowing, but knowing that, that has a force of conviction that drives one to act accordingly. Hmm? So Krishna's omniscient, but is that the full idea of Krishna? No. When Krishna's omniscience recedes to the background and he appears and is bewildered by Radha's love, for example, hmm? we say this is the full face of Krishna. Hmm? There's some unknowing in him. As I said before, omniscience anyway, it kind of sounds boring. Think if you knew everything, then what? 
What would you do? You know everything that's going to happen. What do you do? You have to then put aside your unknowing and play and pretend you don't know. Hmm? That is called Leela. <laughs> but he gets so wrapped up in the Leela, he actually doesn't know. Hmm? He actually doesn't know. But that's far more comprehensive knowing. Hmm? Hmm? It's so satisfying. Because why do we want to know anything anyway but to be happy? Hmm? Perfect knowledge is that knowledge that informs that action by which we can become perfectly happy, perfectly satisfied. Not just to know things. That would be a burden. Hmm? So not only does nobody know him, he does not know himself. Naveda kaschit bhagavams chikyashitam. She refers to chikyashitam, his, his leelas. Your leela is very uh, extraordinary. Hmm? Hmm? You appear just like uh, a worldly person. This is inconceivable. Hmm? You appear in human society. Hmm? And she says, this is very uh, confusing, very bewildering, very, very extraordinary. Hmm? You hide yourself in human society and people cannot understand you. Of course, she's bringing it out. Devotees will bring that out, that he might be un- understood. Hmm? But to, as I say, to what extent? Because one who says they don't know, they know. So we should understand this about real spiritual life. Sometimes we want spiritual life because we want the answers to life. Good reason. We want to know all the answers. By the time we'll find out the <laughs> that that in love and in divine love hmm, everything is not known what is needed is known but everything is not known and there's some uncertainty in love there's some uncertainty she loves me she loves me not hmm? some uncertainty love moves says Love moves in a crooked way, like a snake, like this. Not like this, straight. Hmm? When lovers quarrel, don't get in the middle. They love one another. They're expressing it. Hmm? Don't, you get in the middle and sort it all out, and they end up hating you. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> Disliking you. Hmm? Don't get in the middle of that. Another, another phase, another face of love. It's very bewildering. It looks like they don't like one another. Hmm? No, even Radha and Krishna quarreling. Think. Radha doesn't like Krishna. And Krishna likes seeing her appear to not like him. Hmm. And this is, this is called man. This is a very extraordinary uh, uh, stai, dominant e- emotion in the context of romantic love and so forth. So, uh, so there's some unknowing in love, some, some uncertainty. I like to think of our tradition as kind of theistic agnosticism. We're theists, but we acknowledge some some unknowing uncertainty, and we're comfortable with that. Hmm? We're comfortable with the uncertainty, the nature of prem. The nature of Radha's prem has been described, among other things, as being unlimited and expanding at the same time. Hmm? So that it's always growing, but it's always full. It's always full, and still it's always growing. 
So it means we are students forever in, 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 on, on the path. We may be teacher from one vantage point. We look up, we are a student. Hmm? Chaitanya Leela means Krishna learning, trying to learn about himself hmm? from Radha's perspective and so forth. So, so who knows? Hmm? The neophyte tendency is to want to get all the answers. Hmm. Then I won't have to think. That would be a lot easier. <laughs> Someone do the thinking for me and so forth. But no, that might work for a little while. But no, you have to think. And life, and every step presents new questions. And you have to think about it from your spiritual perspective, from the text, from the words of guru and sadhus and so forth, and make a determination in every moment. Hmm? So not a static idea of spirituality. Leela is a very uh, dynamic, moving uh, idea. It moves from union to separation and union. They're together, they're not together. Hmm? So on and so forth. Krishna says, come over here. You come all the way over there. And he says, now I'm over here. Join this mission. And ten years later he says, leave that mission. What do you mean? You're over here. You're, even your picture's are over here. No, I'm over here. More. I don't have to go over there. We were like, well, you said you were over here. I, I packed my bags, everything. I came with a one-way ticket. Hmm? No, wherever he calls, then we have to go. Hmm? The gopis didn't say, hey, it's, you know, it's a little late to be blowing your flute. We've got to get to bed here. <laughs> There's things going on. I mean... We were doing some final duties for the evening, and here you're blowing your flute and calling us there? No, they just dropped everything. They had a thousand and eight reasons to stay, not go, and they went. Hmm? And where, of all places? Where? In the forest, in the night? You're not supposed to be in the forest and at night, and as soon as they got there, that's what he told them. You're not supposed to be in the forest at night. What are you doing here? What are your friends going to say? What are your parents going to say? Well, what does the Dharma say? What do the sages say? Those who have knowledge and those who are religious. He's telling them, Bhakti to me transcends Dharma, Karma, and Gyan. It is a very extraordinary thing. Are you here for that? Alone? And the dance commences, of course. Yes, they came for that alone. Sold out. So these such such pastimes they need some explanation. Hmm? She says they are very bewildering. Hmm? And one of the ways now she gives and one of the ways in, w- in which they are bewildering, they appear because you're God, but you appear to be partial. In reality, she says, daito you appear to be partial, uh, but you're not. You're not partial. You're impartial. You don't love some and not love others. But it appears in your leela, the implication is, that that's exactly what you do. You killed Kamsa, hmm? and you kissed Radha. <laughs> you embraced Radha. So what's going on here? You're supposed to be... <laughs> Supposed God's supposed to be equal to everybody. If the if the president is bought by a corporation, then what? 
Well, he is, so we know. <laughs> but <laughs> so <laughs> it's a problem. Is the idea. So God should be impartial, like the, like the sun gives uh, its rays everywhere, like the rain. Rain pours on the ocean as well as in the desert. Hmm? But if it pours on the ocean, what will happen? Something different will happen than if it pours on the desert. If it pours on the ocean, there will be a flood. It will rise up. If it pours on the desert, it will go into the sand and dissolve. And so there are different receiving agents, different objects, to which the impartial distribution of, of the mercy of Bhagawan uh, uh, is distributed, and they reciprocate differently, hmm? and then he responds proportionately, as he says in the Gita. As people approach, um, I respond accordingly. So she's saying, she's looking at him as if partiality towards his devotees might be seen as a fault. She says, you're not, you appear, people think you're impartial, but you're not. Hmm? People think you're impartial, but actually you're, you think you're partial, excuse me, but you're not. Hmm? No. You distribute your love equally to everybody, but everybody doesn't accept it in the same way. Hmm? So as they reciprocate, then it shows up. One, it looks like embracing. The other, it looks like um, chastising. Hmm? So she wants to preserve the impartiality of Bhagavan. Of course, we like to emphasize... Uh, in the Vrindavan League, especially, like to emphasize the partiality. He is partial. Hmm? Uh, they think, in Vrindavan, they think he's one of us. He's a Prajbasi. Hmm? He's one of us. Uh, and that's, of course, in uh, the ornament. This, the, the, the argument comes in the Vedanta Sutra, in the second. Um, maybe, uh, first. Adhyay in the second, the second, second chapter of the third, first section, yeah, or the second. Anyway, somewhere in there, it says that what the question comes is God. Uh, where does the world come from? Lokavatu lilakaivalyam. The world is coming out of the joy of Bhagwan. Lord, it's not any work that He does. He has to do it or anything like that. Out of joy, the one becomes many, Vishnu, and the world ensues. Hmm? Then the question comes, well, there's many, but they're not, they don't all appear to be equal. Some suffer and some enjoy, so God must be impartial. So your God must be, there must be a fault. And it says, no, replies, no, God's not a fault. Karma's at fault. Hmm? People's karma. He just reciprocates according to the way they've acted. Hmm? But what, at the, what about at the beginning when they first acted, the first act? No, no, there is no first act. He says, it says, Anadi. The world is Anadi. The Jeevas are Anadi. Bhagwan is Anadi. So this is all about the impartiality, right? But the next sutra, as Baladev comments upon it, uniquely amongst all the different commentators, Baladev is the Gaudiya commentator, he sees the next sutra as starting on separate adhikara, a separate subject, related but, but independent. This this idea about the partiality of God with regard with, re, with with regard to the world has been dealt with. He is impartial. We're not going to go into it in detail. We have in, in, in the past what is an adi karma and so forth. But the related but different topic then 
that ensues in the next sutra is that he has a partiality. And that is found in bhakti. And that, however, is not a fault that is an ornament. That's what endears him to the devotees. He's partial to his devotees. Of course, we, we're looking at it from a, from a feeling bhava perspective, from a siddhanta perspective, kind of a scientific perspective. We say, well, like Kundi says, well, he's impartial. They reciprocated. They responded to his mercy in a certain way. That's why he's partial to them. So he's not, he's not partial. But we rather think, oh, he is partial to his devotees. And that's very beautiful. And actually... This is a further idea of love. Think about it. Because impartiality, what kind of love is that? If I love you, and I do, if I love you, and I find out someone else hates you, I don't like him. If someone else is mean to you, if I love you, you're my son, my student, and someone is mistreating you, how do I feel about that person? Oh, he's okay. Everybody's good. Mm-hmm. I say, no, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Materially speaking, it could be a problem. But, uh, but imp- I want to say that impartial love is a very broad and abstract love. It's not as passionate and alive as friendly love, romantic love, where, where you're going to defend someone Hmm? If, if, if you say, uh, uh, Dad, you know, the guy down the street beat me up. And you say, well, that may be, but I'm sure he's got good qualities too. <laughs> you mean, a oh, great father, great father you are. Okay, great, great. Uh, so, <laughs> so when we move from general impartial love hmm, to love of God in intimacy, and we find the same thing that we find in ordinary love. We find some kind of a commitment that if that if if if, if someone offends Krishna's devotees, Krishna's after them, hmm? right? Krishna goes after them, something like that. Hmm? We think that's very beautiful. Hmm? Abhishma thought it was so beautiful that that Krishna would get off the chariot and take the wheel and try to kill Bhishma, even though he promised to be impartial in the war. When he saw Arjuna was going to go down in the battle with Bhishma, he took the side of Arjuna and went to chastise Bhishma and broke his promise. And Bhishma said, that's great. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, this is better than impartiality. Hmm? You understand? You have such love for your devotees. Hmm? So this requires some thoughtfulness. Uh, the yogis and the the jnanis, it be difficult for them to appreciate. They want Bhagavan to be like a jnana mudra, giving knowledge, everything peaceful, no differences, no biases. But bhakti is a bias. There's Ram bhakti, there's Krishna bhakti. You know the story of Hanuman. I like to tell Hanuman was, Garuda, Krishna's bird carrier, was in Dwarka and he said, hey, there's a fellow, there's a monkey named Hanuman, go tell him I want to see him. So, Garuda flies over and finds Hanuman and says, Krishna wants to see you in Dwarka. Hanuman says, okay, tell him I'll be there a little bit later. And Garuda flies back and he, and he, and he says, tells Krishna, he said, you know, what kind of devotee is this you sent me to see? I told him you want to see him. And he, he says, I'll, I'll be there later. 
There I was, ready to carry him. And Krishna says, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Um, go back and tell him that Ram wants to see him. Hmm? So Hanuman's a great devotee of Ram, that particular face of, of God, of Krishna. So he goes back and says, Ram wants to see you in Dwarka. So Hanuman says, okay, well, you go on back. I'll, I'll, I'll get there on my own, my own time. So Garuda's thinking, I mean, here I am, I'm the express carrier of Krishna. I could have taken him there so fast. I, I, I don't understand. So he's flying back thinking, what kind of devotee is this Krishna sent me to see? And when he's flying to Dwarka, Ram's coming back the other way, or Hanuman's coming back the other way, jumping across the sky, saying, Ram. You know, he jumped. to. So he jumped to Dwarka to see Ram before Garuda could get there. Hmm? And he was coming back the other way. So idea is that some bias hmm, for Ram, some love for Ram. Hmm. This is very beautiful. It's very charming. This is difference that ornaments a basic unity, love of God, exclusive love of God we have. We're all centered on God. And he's showing different faces, corresponding with different hearts of devotees. And this is making a beautiful unity that is a harmony rather than just one note. The Gyanis and the Yogis, they just want one note. Om, one note. No other sound. Be peace. But we're, Bhakti is a concert. Hmm? Full concert. All types of instruments and so forth. So, hmm, some kind of partiality hmm? that is desirable. Then in the second verse she says what? Janmakarma uh, chabishvatman. She says, you, you know, you, you're born, but you're not born. You're unborn, but you're born. You 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 don't act, but you act. Hmm? Uh, it's bewildering. You, um, hmm? you 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 take birth and and uh, and you're the vital force of uh, of everybody, and you're the unborn. You descend amongst animals and uh, men and sages and aquatics. She says this is very bewildering. So she's talking about different avatars. Of Krishna, she's saying she's saying here, Krishna's too, Bhagavan, so I am. You are Krishna, and you, it's you, Krishna, who appears in different avatars, hmm? and uh, and and this is bewildering to people. They don't understand how you could be God and be, and so on and so forth. So, in this way, you hide yourself, hmm, in a sense, but you can be seen, nonetheless, by bhakti, by devotion. So. Any question? What's the time? My question then, how long will you be here for? Month? <laughs> Two months. <laughs> you going to go tomorrow? Uh, not sure yet. Not sure, okay. Okay, you're welcome to stay as long as you like. I had the good fortune to meet your mother. She hosted me in her, her yoga classes um, a couple of months back or so, about a month ago, huh? More than a month ago. Two months. Two months. You've been here two months now? I've been here five weeks, but you came about three weeks before. Still counting, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You'll get over that. <laughs> You'll lose count. Yeah.
So very nice of you to come, and uh, and and uh, both of you, very happy to have you here. And now you're leaving tomorrow? No, Saturday. Saturday, okay. You're staying, right? <laughs> you too. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll stop there. Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai.